Welcome to the family with Doug Sprinthal and Andy Brampernard. And we'll be right back, kick things off with the family. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Wow, a month off and we haven't missed a beat. That was a perfect introduction, my friend. Excellent work. You're no. WalzerBuysCars.com. Let's talk about it for a quick minute. Uh, The new car shortage grinds on. There's signs that it's starting to get better. Uh, But late model used car values are as high as I've ever seen them. And we're going to talk about that in about 45 minutes on Car Selling Secrets. What that means, if you have a late model uh, used car, especially people that are maybe a year out on a lease, you've got tons of options and you might have equity. You can go to walzer.com. Uh, get an instant offer, or if it's, you know, you get more technical questions and stuff, feel free to reach out to me at Doug at Walzer.com. Uh, we talked about this on the morning show, and I got four emails from people going, what's my 19 Honda Cord worth? It's all stuff that we'd love to have, and people, uh, we can put money in their pocket, just like we did for you. What are you talking about? You know what I mean. You know. You know. Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who've been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this. If the adjuster really, truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. little news, little information, very special guest. The book is called My Dad is Funnier Than Your Dad, Growing Up with Tim Conway in the Funniest House in America. Kelly Conway, our special guest. That was it. Good afternoon. Good morning. Depending on where you are, where are you, Kelly? I'm in LA. I'm in Malibu, so it's 9:30-ish. Almost 9:30 in the morning. Hi. So good morning. I yeah, I wanted to make sure I got that right. Um, Kelly, it's going to be a big problem because there is no bigger fan of your family than me. Oh, thank you. Well, I'll fight you for it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You're gonna sock me right in the mush for saying that. That, that's understandable. I'm gonna sock you in the head. <laughs> you should sock me in the head, Kelly. I think it's a good plan. It's a great plan. Uh, I'm very, very lucky in that I was uh, a little child when I first saw your your father perform. And I got to be honest with you, from day one till today, I, I just uh, I, what I loved about your father, and Kelly, the same as you saying you'll sock me in the head, he really underplayed things, you know, like threatening to beat people up, you know, like that. No, but he he, yeah. he didn't push comedy, which I really liked. He just did it. He was good at it. He performed it. He didn't have to push it in order to be good. That, that shows a real talent there, Kelly. It's true, because he does, it's just, 
it's just how he is, and it's how he was at home. It's how he was in the grocery store, um, and he didn't. He just didn't go to school or training for it because I, I honestly still don't think he knew in the end throughout his whole life how good he was and how happy he made so many people. And and I'm not saying that he didn't, you know, that he was he didn't understand it. Of course he did, but he just didn't understand the 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 depth of that it went with people, you know, um, because in his mind, if he hadn't made it in L.A to be in show business and he would have been just as happy going back to Chagrin Falls, Ohio and working at the hardware store. And um, I'm it's true. He would have been, he would have been fine with it. You know what's great, Kelly, is that uh, I just talked to Don Knotts' daughter the other day, and I would—I I just realized how lucky I was to grow up in the area and what in era in the era in which I grew up because I was a little boy when these fellas started performing, and I could go down the entire list of people. It's very very long, but I got very lucky to grow up in the era in, in, in which I did watching those shows. It was just good family comedy. It was very very funny. It was it was great. I got very lucky. I know, I, I, that's how I feel. I think we're so lucky to have been raised in that environment and, and to know that, I mean, my dad's goal was always to keep it clean so you could watch whatever he does in a room with your grandparents or little kids running around and, you know, nobody would have to be embarrassed and, or, you know, cover anybody's ears or walk out of the room because of something offensive or or something you didn't want to hear. So, I, and he definitely stuck to that. And I think that's hard. I mean, it's harder to, to be clean and funny than uh, than throw some language in there, which is hard too, but it's a different kind, you know? I, I, can I jump in with a quick question? Please tell me that he was a great father. So many of my heroes, <laughs> you know, like Bing Crosby, one of the best oh, singers God. of the 20th century, and just a complete disaster as a human being. Tell me Tim Conway was a good dad, please. Oh my God, he was the best. And and when I say he was the best, he was the best for us. He, and a lot of people, you know, I, I treated my parents, I thought of my parents as superheroes. And they're just, they protect you and they help you and they, you know, that you don't think they need real friends of their own and they don't need to go go off and do grown-up things because they're just there for the kids, but they actually really were. And he just, he was, he, he loved his kids. There's six of us, and um, I'm sure it was a challenge. And my mom was more the disciplinary. Uh, uh, my dad was more like, you know, the circus leader. But, um, but he was, he was just, fun and it was always I, I we'd rather hang out with my dad than any of our friends so that says it all you know that's perfect you've made my day thank you <laughs> no really no i understand you know I, mean? <laughs> I understand yeah you're right you're... <laughs> There's no question about that. I, I get exactly what you're talking about. I, I would like to mention that uh, that Kelly Conway herself, a member of the Costume Designers Guild in Los Angeles, works as a costume designer and stylist in commercials. So you you stayed in the business without being uh, being even on camera. You stayed in the business though, so that's good. Yeah, I love it. I, I I'm not uh, in front of the camera as much as I would like to. 
they make it look easy, you know, and people think that they can do it, and it's not easy. So I love what I do. I do wardrobe and and, um, costumes for commercials and TV and whatever they need. So it's a a fun job, and I've been doing it for a long time. And I actually look at my dad a few times on on a couple commercials that weren't done by his asking if I could do it, but they were directors that I happened to be working with, and then they would be doing that commercial, and so I just happened to be on the job, so that was really cool. That was fun. No, I could see that. No question about that. You know, one thing I do have to mention, Kelly, which is really kind of cool, is that when your father performed, he did uh, he did uh, an entire character based on small people. He did uh, people with accents. He did people from other cultures. But it was never, ever offensive to anybody. That's amazing, isn't it? You know, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um Especially today, with you know, you you look at somebody and, and they could be offended. Um, <laughs> I've done and, it, believe me. Um, that's, yeah, me too. I did it yesterday. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's true. It, it, was some, it was just innocent, and it wasn't it wasn't maybe necessarily making fun of them, but it but it kind of was. Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna have to think about that. How did he get away with it? Because I, I because. It was funny, and it didn't, I don't know. Just, how can you be so offended when you're laughing through it? So Yeah, I think, Kelly, the answer, and I, I don't have all the answers in the world, but I think your father, the answer to your father being able to do that is he didn't push it. He didn't go way over the top. It's like, you know, it was, you know he didn't have to have to do the... Oh yeah, you have to know what I'm doing here. He just kind of used it and took it, and it was funny. But he didn't go way over the top with it, and I think that is the big difference. It is possible that Mikhail's Navy would not be made in today's climate. Well, <laughs> maybe it's a not because of Tim, but <laughs> no, it's absolutely true. Yeah, um, there's no way. There's no way. My dad and I used to watch uh, some of the old episodes of Mikhail's Navy, and it was, it was so fun to watch him watch that because he was only 30 years old when he started that um and that i mean to me that's like he's your kid you know 28 or 30 years old um but there's no way the video maybe would make it today because there's some there's some lines that my dad has to go dad i can't believe you said it because it was written i didn't all i was doing was reading what they gave me so like oh man yeah, it's not. See, I love that. I, I love that whole idea. He just did what he. You know, I should mention also that over the years, I've been I've been in the radio business for fifty one years now. I took some time off. I worked at Capitol and did a lot of voiceover stuff. But I started doing radio fifty one years uh-huh. ago, and I've been doing it the whole time. So I've talked to, you know, I talked to your father back in the day several times. Carol Burnett and I have talked a million times on this show, on my morning show, all the rest of it. Uh, the one uh-huh. thing. I, I did notice, honest to God, they are all very nice people. Every one of them. You know, we had talked talked to Don Knotts just one time, so I didn't really know him very well, but I assumed he was a nice guy. But your father was just such a nice man. That's Carol Burnett, such a sweetheart of a person. I love that. They all are, and I got to grow up with them and, and to be around that. And Don Knotts was the nicest man in the world. There he you go. loved my dad, and... He loved us kids. Like he, you know, if we hadn't seen him in a year or so, he, he when he come over, he would 
pick up right where you left off. Like, okay, so you're in 12th grade now, I think. And how's cheerleading going? How's the thought? Like, he just, he was, he just remembered everything. And he was so sweet. And Carol, too. And, and I think that's why their show was so successful, is that they were all such good friends. And, and they just kind of did what they did best. And she let them. That's another part, too. And, yeah. You know, doing Carol's Navy, my dad, that was his first job in the business, really. So, mm-hmm. he, like I said, he just kind of read what was on the paper and uh, kind of stayed uh, humble and, and uh, a 30-year-old. But when he got to be um, doing the Carol Burnett show, uh, she let him do whatever he wanted to do, really. And that's, and that's where it was, I think. I mean, you know, can you imagine having to stick to whatever script uh, you need to with my dad. There's no way. He, he couldn't even... He wouldn't survive the day. So I think that's why it was. It came across and people loved it. Does Do people really understand that... that uh you had Carol Burnett, you had Vicki Lawrence, you had Harvey Corman, you had Tim Conway, you had even more people. They never got in each other's way. Nobody ever tried to upstage anybody else. It was not about more me now. It was a great comedy. Everybody worked shoulder to shoulder, and that's why it was so fantastic, I think. I do, too. And, I, and you know, you think about it, like you said, in, in another situation someone like Carol would have been threatened or could have been threatened right. by somebody who might have upstaged her or been funnier or at the, at the time. Um, but she didn't, and that's why it was so great is she let him do whatever he whatever he wanted and um, and maybe sat back and, and watched him instead of people watching her. So that's exactly why it worked. Yeah, I, there's no the fact that that Carol Burnett, supremely talented Carol Burnett, would just go, "Hey, I'm just one of the people out here doing this bit." You don't find that a whole lot anymore. No. That, you, you just don't. No, not at all. The egos are. Uh, it's, it's nothing to have a little now. It's a different. It's a different world and a different group, and um, you know everybody's vying for the attention, especially social media. You know, how, you, you can out vacation each other and who can outdress and outhair each other it just they're not even famous and they're and so it's just a different life and thank god we didn't have that distraction growing up you know can you imagine you, you in the in the 70s when i was growing up you got home from school and your school day ended at 3 p.m or whenever you got mm-hmm. home but now you the day the day never ends they, these kids like it's just constant, constant um, texting and social media, but you can't you can't get away from it. So there's that, and I'm thank God, you know, I don't have to do that. No question. I didn't have to do it. You know, I, I was just thinking about the, how extending this out. Um, we talked about the Carol Burnett show and the people on it, but then you look at people like Bob Newhart hanging out with Don Rickles. They used to go on vacation together. Can you imagine? Now, those two guys today, not the same people, but people like them would probably have tried to upstage one another at every turn. But, my God, there's video of, of Don Rickles and Bob Newhart and their wives on vacation. It's phenomenal. It's so funny you mention that because I'm sitting here thinking, <coughs> wouldn't it be fun to have lunch with... Um, uh, Bob Newhart, I'm sorry, and Tim Conway. Talk about great deadpan comedians. Oh, God, <laughs> yes. Were they friends, Kelly? They were. Yeah. Um, I think Bob Newhart was 
He probably, if he did go out with them, they probably wouldn't say a word ever. <laughs> which would be incredibly funny. <clears throat> that would be very funny, actually. That's which true. Be, which is exactly what they do. They used to have my dad um, and his wife, Charlene, and Bob Newhart, his wife, um, John Rissles, um, Mel Brooks, Mike Connors, and otherwise, they, every Tuesday they went out to get Steve Lawrence. Um, they would go to a different restaurant every Tuesday, and um, they look forward to it. They would either try somewhere new or maybe go back to the old one that they liked a few weeks ago, but they had a blast. Can you imagine the ton of them uh, at a table every Tuesday? And they, my dad said they, did, they got kicked out of a couple places. No. <laughs> uh, for being a little loud. Um, and, uh, and I think they ended up giving them private rooms when they went to these restaurants because they were, I'm sure they weren't quiet, you know. How can they be? No doubt about that. I, I just think, looking back now, the age that I was, I was a little boy when it all started. went through my teen years, my 20s, and now I'm a little older than that, mm-hmm. Kelly, I will say that. But I, I have to uh, attribute a lot of the way I am looking at comedy to those very people, you know, the, all of them, the men, the women, and all of them. I learned by watching them how to not go over the top with bits, how to deliver it in a, in, yeah. in a funny manner without pushing too hard. And, you know, you can't try too hard. I learned all that as a little boy from watching uh, the six people we were just talking about. It was just a great experience to sit down and watch TV and go, my, this is funny and nobody's acting like a goofball. I'm, I don't mean a goofball, like a pain in the ass is a better way to put it, Kelly. <laughs> Nobody acted like that. It was wonderful. Well, Exactly, exactly. And when I say they got kicked out, it wasn't fun. It was just right. them probably laughing so hard. Right. Um, having the best time. And maybe it was a more quiet restaurant and, and someone was there for their engagement or anniversary. So I don't know. Who knows? I wasn't there. Um, but yeah, it, they, they didn't try too hard. And that's another thing. Um, you know, trying too hard also comes across, you know, sometimes when I see people in movies or stuff and you just think, oh my gosh, it's trying too hard and, and you don't even you didn't even have to think about it when they did anything you just watched it and laughed and that was exactly how they were at home to uh, to everybody else so um you know when my dad would come to the school or to um cheerleading practice or to my brother's baseball games or hockey games it was it was exactly the same and he talked to everybody and i think he gave us that um without knowing we were learning from it because, you know, you don't want to learn anything from your parents when you're a kid because they're so dumb. Um, but he, he, he taught us that, my mom, that you know, they just be nice to people. And uh, and so all my brothers and I really are. And I think that my dad definitely um, uh, taught us that, to be nice to everybody. Tell you a very quick story about, we just mentioned Don Rickles, and this is one of my favorite stories to tell, and it's exactly what we're talking about. That's why I'm, I'm bringing it up. Um, several years ago, I sat down and interviewed Don Rickles, who is the nicest guy in the world. Brilliant comedian, just uh, brilliant. brilliant comedian, very, very fast, very smart. So we're sitting there talking <clears throat> on the air, and um, I brought up an episode of Run for Your Life with Ben Gazzara, 
where Don Rickles played a guy named yeah. Willie Hatch, and the, the episode was called Down with Willie Hatch. It was about an insult comic, very much like Don Rickles, but Willie Hatch uh, was uh, was being jeered and, uh, and booed uh, every time he hit the stage, and things just weren't working for him and all the rest of it. It was a great episode, so I said, uh, Don, I have to tell you something. For, he goes, first of all, you remember that episode? I said, oh, yeah, I remember it very, very well. He goes, really? That's amazing. I said, Don, I got to tell you, you nailed that role. You were you were so good in that role. I will never forget that. And he went silent, and he looked up, and he was crying. And he said, thank you so much, because that really means a lot. He was crying because I said he was a good actor. Uh, it's like, oh, my God, I made Don Rickles cry, for Christ's sake. It was so sweet. <laughs> good job. <laughs> yeah, good job, Tom. Way to go, you dope. Yeah. But Way it, to go, funniest guy in the, <laughs> in the world, crying. And Tom makes him cry, but it meant so much to him that someone thought he was a good actor. It meant the world to him. Isn't that great? Because they don't think of themselves as actors. You know, my dad didn't. Um, yeah, And yeah. I think that, uh, you know, he just, in my dad's mind, he was just going out there and, doing what he would do if he worked in the hardware store in Chicken Falls, Ohio, you know, uh, a few more people watching, but he was just kind of doing the same thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So he didn't understand why, it, why, why, what's, like, what's the fuss about. Kelly, did you come up with a name for the book? I did not. My very, very close friend, Rick Fittig, who's a director that I worked with in commercials for, um, gosh, 25, 28 years, something like that, for a long time. Um, they had a title for the book when we first started it, and I hated it. And I said, I can't, I, I said, I can't even do it if this is the title. It's so horrible. It was, it was something like Growing Up Conway or something. Oh, uh, yeah, that's, no, that's not good. And, and, and I said, it sounds like a Brady Bunch. It's so dumb and... And I'm sorry to whoever wrote it. I don't even know who wrote it. Um, but it just sounded not like what I was writing. So um, I called him, uh, Rick, and said, I just need your help. He's, he's a marketing genius. He's a, uh owns an ad agency and a creative genius. He he created the Energizer Bunny uh, oh, sure. years yeah. ago. But mm-hmm. that, was his, that was one of his hundreds of things that he's created and about I asked him about 20 minutes later he called back um, with that title and I loved it because it's so it's it's something I would say because having five brothers I'm pretty competitive oh um, god yeah and and I spent a lot of hours together so he knows me really well and I think the title was perfect and perfect so I thank him for it every day I thank him it is a great title for people who might just tuned in. My Dad's Funnier Than Your Dad is the name of the book. There have been some great book names. Do you know Sharon Gless at all? She uh, started out in Cagney and Lacey and did many, many other series. I don't know if you know uh, Sharon Gless or not. Great actor. I just talked to her yesterday, and, and the reason, I see, I love the name of your book. I love the name of, uh, you know, there are some, several books out there, very, very very, very funny. Uh, Cal, uh, Cal Penn has a book out now. It's a very funny title, as a matter of fact. But Sharon Glass put out a, a book, and I'll tell you the title in a second. And I asked her where the title came from. And she said, well, I was in Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota. And I said, oh, really? So you're in Minneapolis? She goes, yeah. I said, why were you in Minneapolis? She said, 
because I was going to Hazelden Treatment Center for alcoholism. <laughs> and I said, okay. So you were in town, right? This, you, Kelly, you're going to love this. You're going to like, you guys, if you haven't heard it, you're going to love this. So she puts out her book, and the book is a response of what they, she said to them at Hazelden when she checked in. The name of the book, I'll tell you in a second. So she's at the desk at Hazelden. She's checking in treatment for alcoholism, okay? And the woman behind the desk says to Sharon Glass, um, so you're here for, for what? And she said, uh, treatment for alcoholism. She said, okay, treatment for alcoholism. And how, how did you know that you had a problem with alcohol? And she named the book after what she just said. She named the book, Apparently There Were Complaints. <laughs> Isn't that just brilliant? Apparently. That's so good. <laughs> That's a great title for a That's book, hilarious. don't you think? That's a great title. It is indeed. Kelly, are you going to go? Are you going to go? That's an opportunity to have a great title. That is indeed. Are you going to go on tour? Do you think you'll be traveling around the country with the book? I think so. I think everything is still a bit COVIDy. Uh, sure. From what I'm gathering, I don't know. Um, so I'm doing a lot on uh, on from my house, from some cars and and stuff like this. So I don't know. I I had imagined that we were going to do some kind of traveling, but it changes every day. This yeah. World, and, yeah that's you know, true. So I don't know. But if I come anywhere near Minneapolis, I'm gonna. Well, you got to come in studio. We will laugh. I guarantee the whole time you're here, we'll laugh like like, like mad people. There's no question about it. I would love it. I would love it. And I'll tell you, Kelly, on the way out, uh, it's true. Your dad is a lot funnier than my dad. So, <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Kelly, thanks for your time today. Wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. I will talk to you guys again. Thank you. Thank you. Kelly Conway, ladies and gentlemen, my dad's funnier than your dad. Growing up with Tim Conway in the funniest house in America. And we shall take a break. Be right back right after this. Tom Bernard talking with Brad Huckle and Michael Bilski of North American Banking Company. We've talked a few times over the years about how North American Banking Company has helped local businesses when they're ready for expansion. We love talking about the success of our customers. One example is suburban manufacturing in Monticello. They create innovative products that produce clean, dry air that is needed during the manufacturing process. We recently helped them expand their business. Moving into a new building gave them the space they needed to add new equipment and production lines. We were able to step in quickly and provide the financing they needed when they needed it. When we help businesses like Suburban Manufacturing with their expansion, it's beneficial for our customers, but their growth also creates new jobs in our community. So they make stuff that produces clean, dry air for manufacturing after working with Bilski. Do they breathe easier with their business belt? We certainly hope so, Tommy. And that's no hot air. Nice one. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Tom here to tell you that MyPillow is the best and getting better. MyPillow CEO Mike Lindell has an amazing offer on MyPillow towels. 100% USA cotton. Originally $109.99 and now a flash sale for $39.99. For a limited time and 60-day money-back guarantee, head to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener specials. Promo code KQRS. Get this great offer and check out the deep discounts on other products. MyPillow.com. Enter promo code KQRS. MyPillow.com. Promo code KQRS. AQRS. 
and get you some more bumper music this weekend. Okay. Having a dinner party with pretty it's it should be really interesting because they're all people that are either old or new friends but they've never met each other and they're all musicians so mm. dan murphy my stepbrother's showing up uh Just peter sure there's Born no alcohol involved Nah, these musicians are, they're old musicians uh, <laughs> they've survived make sure there's no cocaine involved then oh yeah that's uh <laughs> we do a lot of coke at the sprinthal house in rosemount yeah. Kind of what, what we're famous yeah, for. There's always a fresh supply. I could see that, yes. I don't think there's any question. Dougie. I always hated that stuff. Not that I ever tried it more than maybe four or five what, times. Cocaine? But yeah. I had it once and it did nothing. I just babbled like a complete moron. It was just Wasn't it basically worse just, than normal, if you can believe that. Isn't it basically just like caffeine times a million? Yeah. Yeah, it's I don't know. And you'd get this jaw thing going, it was just it was just mm. weird. But it Sounds was quite great. popular in the 80s. Well, that's because everyone was a high-powered businessman back then. Well, they they got to be up they for... certainly thought they were. The old God, sure. yeah. They were up for four <laughs> or five days straight, yeah, in the office. Probably, Probably. never made it into the radio business, but it was pretty prevalent in the car business. Oh, Coke in the oh, radio no, business? No, God, Coke. yeah. What? No, what do you mean? God, yeah. <laughs> oh, everything's fine. Don't worry about mm-hmm. a thing. Yeah, I did it once, and it just... It, it, I didn't even get like, like I'm drinking caffeine right huh. now. I got a better buzz from caffeine than I did from that. So who knows what it even was? What I got? It's right. It's very know. possible you just snorted a bunch of talcum powder. Yeah, it's probably true. Which not great for your sinuses, but hey, probably you seem true. to survive. Yeah, talcum yeah, powder is the stuff that I think they pulled right because it was giving people cancer. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Indeed. Oh, that's right. They yep. did. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it. It's a rock that you grind up into a powder and then inhale. Can't be good for you. That's basically. Well, you're not the pro- supposed to inhale talcum powder. Well, you're not supposed to, but you're going to well, because it's powder. It's, yeah. it's going to get into the air no matter what you do. That's true. And that's yeah, basically the problem with asbestos is it was basically a rock that people were inhaling. Yeah. So it got lodged in your lungs and caused inflation over time. Yeah, that's not good. The talcum powder, very, very similar. No doubt about it. God, I'm just looking at all the hot headlines from today. I didn't know this. i got to find the story, or maybe, Andy, you can find the story. But it's kind of interesting, isn't it? The United States government and, uh, government and Moderna formed a partnership, a 50-50 partnership, before it was revealed that they would have all the uh, COVID uh, vaccines. Really? Yeah, gee, I wonder how that happened. So what was the – is there any details? That's interesting. Uh, I'm Andy, see if you can find something for me because – you're much better at that than I am. Yeah, apparently. Moderna, oh no, Pfizer is a German company. Moderna isn't. Moderna is a U.S. Yeah. company. Moderna is a, well, apparently they have a 50-50 partnership with the United States of America, mm-hmm. and this is before it was even. Re- and by the way, uh, they had people in Wuhan at the time. Yeah. And it was never. That's not. It was just revealed apparently yes last night yesterday. Well, I do know that in 2013. DARPA gave them $25 million to research mRNA medicines, which mRNA is the kind of medicine that the vaccine is. Yeah. Yep. So that is interesting. 2015 was the year that I saw that things really kicked into high gear. So what was that all? Uh, 2016, they got $125 million from BARDA, (laughs) which is the something I don't know what it is. This was for a different vaccine. This is for the Zika vaccine. Oh, is that coming too now, then? 
Uh, no, that's that never ended up being a thing. They tried to scare everyone into being afraid of it, but it ended up doing basically nothing, I think. So this is all about money and power, isn't it? BARDA is the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority of the federal government. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I didn't so even know that existed. Gov- federal government owns that too, huh? Uh, yeah. Why is our federal government allowed to own anything? I don't really understand how our government can own anything. Well, technically, the purpose of the federal government is to be where all the states can pool their resources for the greater good. Right. That's, like, why the federal government exists, really. Well, I suppose that's Um, true, But it has since mutated quite a bit. It has mutated quite a bit, but so so it is true that they did form these uh, the, this partnership with Moderna and a couple other people before this uh, about three years before this uh, pandemic hit. Yeah, they got a uh, well. I mean, they got awarded money from the federal government multiple times. Whether they don't, they're not exactly forthcoming with the uh, specifics of those deals. Of course, apparently Moderna but, U.S. is fifty fifty. That's what I had heard. I had heard this morning. Hmm. I don't know. So you're making money, and then you get to force people to use it. That's what I love about it. So you make the money, and you make people get the vaccine. Well, that That's is interesting that they can scary. force people to get something that they have to pay for. Yep. Or well, that I, someone is getting paid for. For me, the Five thing years. that bugs me is that the federal government funds a whole bunch of medical research mm-hmm. which is a good thing i mean yeah that is it is the u.s funds like 50 percent of the entire they, world's medical R&D. right but then all that research gets used by private companies yeah. and we pay them for the stuff that we paid the government to figure out how i to know fix. we've paid That's for it twice really the kind of, in my mind the biggest screw job of all i couldn't agree more we pay for everything t- two or three times in this country <laughs> And I don't know what the hell that's all about. Well, I'll look at the state of Minnesota. $7.7 billion surplus? Good. Send me a check. You know, I'm, I'm gonna, I, th- I think I'll try to... Do we have just one more podcast this year? Or are we on the... Tw- is it the 23rd? Oh, no, we got two more weeks okay. worth. 23rd, if you Maybe want to do it. We can get them on the 23rd. We'll get Pat and, uh, and Ryan in, and we can talk. I'd love it. Have them... <laughs> in this corner! Yeah, they can slug it out. From Farmington, Minnesota... And we can talk about what we're going to do with all this extra money. Because I'm sure they, I'm guessing they have different ideas. It would you be interesting. Think? And I don't think we've had them in together in a year or two. So no, I'll see haven't. if I can make that happen. Ryan's popped in a couple of times, yep. but I haven't seen Pat in yep. about a year. No, yeah, it's because it's, it's of me. I just haven't booked him. So that might be an interesting guest in, uh, or guests in, in light of the uh, purported budget surplus. I like it. What is the deal with this hammerhead imbecile? That set fire to the Christmas tree in the Fox Square. Oh, it was so it was intentional. Oh yeah, oh absolutely. Okay. I remember he, he when did it broke. It was it's like Fox Christmas tree on fire. Yeah, he, it's kind of weird. <coughs> Jeez, it was a uh, homeless guy who's been in trouble with the law a few oh. times before. So why why did he burn a Christmas tree though? You think it'd cheer him up? I think he's a little mentally ill. If oh, I have to guess, you can't be serious. Mentally ill and on the streets, walking around amongst the people in so, New York. In New York, yeah, exactly. We have got to start doing something about our law enforcement too, man. This this whole, and I don't, I shouldn't say law enforcement. I, 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 enforcing the law, not law enforcement, but enforcing the law because everybody, oh, go ahead, wander the streets all you want. I know you shot three people. Don't worry about it. What the hell happened? I don't know. I did read just before I got here. Um, the Minnesota State Fair uh, is reinstating the State Fair police 
force. Well, good. That had been to. sort of disbanded for a year. And it was, yeah. And we didn't have a state fair because of COVID. Yeah, that's very, very true. So I, I, I just would like to take my family downtown and have a little dinner, maybe go to a play or something and not have to worry about pulling my own weapon and shooting someone. That'd be really great. And it's funny, we went uh, Saturday, two Saturdays ago, we were going to go see a, a band play. It was actually Dan Murphy and his new band oh, okay. playing at the Hook and Ladder. And <clears throat> I went down there and I, just, I screwed up. We didn't. We left our vaccine cards at home and that's one of the, you know, every place is making their own rules and that was one of them, the rules that they had there. So we couldn't actually get in. But it's right, it's a block from the third precinct that burned up. And, right, yeah. And, I, you know, I've spent years and years in minneapolis and i drove cab there as a as a kid but you know for really the first time that i can remember when we got there i'm looking over my shoulder thinking about god i just hope you don't get carjacked and so on and so forth sure and sure i wasn't so terrified that we didn't go but but I, I i normally am super comfortable in urban environments but it was just it's it's uncomfortable it's, yeah it's it's, yeah. it's you got to be smart right uh, yeah, no. I look. I have a. I have an appointment at uh, two o'clock right after the show today downtown, and I'm. I'm not nervous about going down, but I don't. I'm not really fired up about doing it either. Yeah, because I don't really need anybody walking up on me when I'm down there. You going you know? to Young Quinlan? Yes, YQR <laughs> Young Quinlan Rothschild. That's where I'm headed. Uh, here's an interesting fact, and this does make sense because, as as you know, the number one thing about uh, getting COVID and being in real danger is body weight. Body weight is a huge problem with COVID. Like, I am very glad when I got COVID that I had lost that 100 pounds. That was a great thing. I think that probably saved my life, I would think. Uh, it was just a new study just came out. The reason that is that people that overweight people don't do well with COVID is that body fat acts as a reservoir for COVID. Oh, okay. So Andy, what's a, what's that all about? A lot of uh, things act like that actually. <clears throat> the body has a tendency to put things like toxins into fat. Oh, okay. Um, because it's just a good long-term place to store it usually. Uh, the problem is that once you lose that fat, so fat works basically like it's like little balloons. The body puts fat into these balloons, and then when you lose the fat, it takes it out of the balloons. And so when you lose the fat, anything that's in that balloon will go into your bloodstream, oh. which is usually triglycerides, but it can be any sort of toxin that you were ingesting at the time you gained that particular weight. So you do have to be... That's one reason they say that you shouldn't gain or lose too much weight too fast, because oh, that makes oh, sense. Yeah. You can, yeah, you can flood your body, and the the triglycerides alone are not super good for you, because that's kind of like how the body transports fat in the form of triglycerides. So if it takes it out, makes it into a triglyceride, puts it in your bloodstream, and then you metabolize it. Um, but too much of that too can be a bad thing what are but, you doing producing a podcast yeah exactly <laughs> dude it's a lot easier than being a doctor well that's true it's not hard to be oh. a doctor i know doctor look at basham sits around on his ass all day what zero effort <laughs> zero effort yeah there you go he's not he's a boob doctor he's not a real doctor oh that's a little shots negative. fired yep. shots fired no question about it 
I just, the more we do research on all this stuff and keep looking at this stuff, it just, it's so obvious that it's money, 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 money. That's all that matters anymore. Isn't that disgusting? Yeah, it is. It's, uh, you know, as you get older and you start using the healthcare system in the U.S., you start, you get a glimpse at how kind of messed up it really is. Oh, God. You know, when you're in your 20s and you might break an arm or something like that and need to get a kid, you don't really, you don't have health issues, but you get older and you're going to get them. And that's when you find out what it's like. You know, it's really weird because I turned 70 in November. Just a little over a month ago, I turned 70 years old. Uh, I have talked about this before of all the guys that I grew up with and some of the women I grew up with. There's only four or five of us left. Oh, wow. Yep. And then I just found out another very, very close friend of mine only has a couple months to live. I mean, it, and he's not going to turn. He's not going to reach 70. Yeah, that's tough. He's going to die in his 60s. A lot of my friends died in their 50s and 60s. A lot of them. Not so many for me, a few, but I've been maybe lucky, I guess. I think that's kind of a ghetto deal anyway. Could be. Poor people don't live as long as as, uh, people, middle class or wealthy people. A lot of it is due to what you did. When you were younger, unfortunately, well, higher risk lifestyles yeah. and diets not as good. Unfortunately, they're like they'll they say that it takes you however many years to heal from smoking or whatever. But right. How you long never, is that, by the way, doctor? You never fully do heal from smoking. Shit, that's what I hear. Well, I mean, if you smoke, <laughs> if you smoke a cigarette a month, you're probably going to be fine. Okay, what have you smoked a pack a day for, say, thirty-five years? Well, yeah, you're not going to come back from that. Damn it! It's been I've been off them for be thirteen now. I mean, you can get probably 80, 90 percent better. Okay, but there's always going to be a little bit of doubt. you're not so going to be running really any marathons. So there's no reason to start again. No, you probably. You know, I mean, unless right, you take the YOLO route. <laughs> yeah, then, I, that yeah. then smoke all you want. Yeah, I, I never understood that philosophy. Live every day like it's your last. Mm-hmm. You're not going to make it a week if you actually well, yeah, did. Yeah, exactly. You know that I actually, what I found out, and I was very, very lucky, and I didn't even know it. When I did smoke cigarettes from the time I was 11 to 21, and I quit at uh, 21, and I haven't smoked since, but I found out later in life that when I smoked cigarettes, I French inhaled. Yeah. I mean, you take it in through your nose, but it never made it into my lungs. I, I, just I went, did that I just for a like, while because it was the cool thing to it do. It was very cool for Even a while, Even though it yeah. looks incredibly stupid. It so look, those that, that don't know, you blow it out through your mouth and then inhale it mm-hmm. through your nose so it yeah. gets that sexy look of smoke going yeah. up your upper <laughs> going lip up and your nose, your yeah. sinuses. But I didn't know this, but a doctor pointed out and said, you know, none of the smoke ever made it into your lungs because huh. the way you inhaled it, it just you, inhaled, you went like this. It just mm-hmm. cir- hmm. circulated in your sinuses and came right back out of your mouth. So here's an interesting story it. from the chat. Okay. So Wendy uh, used to be a manager at a photo lab. And one day, one of her employees, who recently lost 70 pounds, had to call an ambulance because he was having some sort of medical issue that he didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And what had happened was 70 pounds ago, he used to take LSD. Oh, God. So his body put the LSD into the fat cells. He lost that fat, and then boom, all of a sudden, you're tripping on LSD, and you have no idea. Wow. I'm losing it, man. Yeah, you probably think you're dying. You probably do, yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. That didn't happen to me. When I lost 100 pounds, I didn't have any of that stuff. I wonder what that that was all about. I didn't have anything. But I was never a drug guy. Yeah, it only does it with certain things. 
And I was never a big drug guy anyway. I never, I was, I never did like cocaine, heroin, pills. Well, cocaine probably wouldn't have done it. It's so short acting. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Hmm. It all depends on what you were taking, how much you were taking, and that sort of thing. Indeed. So you just keep slogging forward and you try to live your life. But, I mean, it, it's getting to the point. It's getting scary because as, as, as life moves on, more and more and more of my friends are dying, and they're not making it to 70, which means, Jesus, these guys are coming up on being the last people to turn 70, you know. And a lot of them didn't make it. No question about it. I had a lot of fun with those guys, I'll tell you that, man. Yeah, and, and it's part of getting older. You have to try to maintain a positive attitude, attitude even though people you know are passing away. It's, yeah. just, it's part of life. It's, and it's yeah, hard. It's, it's part of the deal. There's no question. I, matter of fact, I just it's been kind of a weird Christmas season anyway and all the rest of it. And then I find out a very, a very good friend of mine has got about a month or two to live. I find out a relative of mine has only got... A year or two to live, and it's like, Jesus, man. Unfortunately, the death rate starts skyrocketing in your 50s. It's in the 50s? That's when it does? Yep. Yeah, why do you made it past that? You're pretty much good before that. I mean, the average person lives to be 73 still, I think, which is not bad. I mean, it's not great, but it's not bad. But, yeah, I mean, once you get to a certain point, and it could just be generational, who knows? Because, I mean, a lot of these uh, greatest generation yeah. people, they lived forever because they were the ones who made it through World War II, the Great Depression, right, and stuff. Right. It's like, if they were going to die, they would have died during one of the horrible things that happened during their lives. But One of the things that Sarah's taught me, you know, because she works at a church and does a lot of funeral cannering, the oh, death sure, rate yeah. around the holidays with old parishioners, oh, yeah. right God. through, it quadruples oh, what yeah. it is during the rest of the year from about now until middle or end of January, just... Yep. I just, uh, that's not, I don't like that at all. No, I don't either. I'm not a big fan. Well, I was reading a story that was funny I was talking about. I read a story yesterday on the KQ Morning Show, and the the story starts with, an elderly woman has been blah, 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 and this elderly woman, and blah, blah, and she's elderly. And at the end of the story, I find out she's 34 months older than I am. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Your point of reference changes, right? The elderly my ass, okay? Give me that. Uh, What the hell? Whatever works. You know what I mean? I do. There's a big battle going on right now, apparently, because of this uh, January 6th inquiry or whatever the hell they're doing that apparently, I I guess it was uh, President Obama that signed a new order that said that... uh, Basically, that high-ranking uh, government officials have immunity, and now from they're trying what? from from like the court system, like being hmm. deposed on things. And well, that seems like a bit of an abuse of power. Well, and now they're trying to. And again, I'm not a huge huge Republican nor a Democrat. I'm the, I don't have a personal opinion on this, but it just seems to me if Obama wrote up the law and now they want to throw it out because it's Trump, I don't really think you can do something like that, can no, you? No, and that, that's that's what I worry about when they start to propose major changes at the federal yep. level, like oh, changing yeah. the number of Supreme Court justices yep. or Bad idea. changing... Uh, you know, the Electoral College, it's like, okay, this might benefit your party right now because right. the Democrats would benefit in the short term election-wise without the Electoral College. The Republicans have won the popular vote. You realize this since 1992? Guess how many times the Republicans have run the popular presidential vote? 
Of one, one, since one, when? Yep, since nineteen ninety, since the Clinton first Clinton administration. Probably one or two. Two, two. once. Yeah, two thousand, two thousand and four. Did we just go out? No. Oh. No, there was there was something that changed. Yeah, the audio changed a bit. If the mics get hit just right, then okay. No. So Clinton won it. You know, both of his terms. Yes. Gore won the popular vote, but he lost the Electoral College because right, of Florida. Right. Oh, that's true. And yeah, then Bush vote. won it in 04, and Obama won it in 8 and 12. And Trump never won the popular vote either time, you know, when he became president, won the Electoral College, and then failed in, in, in 2020. So it would, dem- it would benefit the Democrats now, maybe for the next 10 years, but... I really think that they need to look at what's good for the country yeah, in the do. next 200 years and not in the next 10. Well, so the problem is they think that they are good for the country for the next 200 well, I, years. Yeah, but nobody goes in power thinking that they're terrible, right? They all that's, think that well, their point the of view is, is better. Yeah, they're going to do whatever they can because they're the good guys, yeah. and they can't, they can't have the bad guys winning, so we're going to do whatever we can, even if you know, the ends justify the means. So I think, I, I think they really got to be careful. I listened to... An interview with, uh, what's the guy's name? He's an Afghan war vet. He's got one eye. Uh, ben Crenshaw, is it? Is ben it? Crenshaw, yeah. yep, yep. And he said, uh, you know, there's, <laughs> we have legislators, and then we have, uh, what did he call them? It wasn't grifters and grifters. performance artists. Oh, performance artists. I and like that, And he's actually going after the far right. You know, there's a, like three right. or four knuckleheads, but he said it applies to both parties. And I think he's actually correct in yeah, that. Yeah, he's right. No, he's absolutely right about that. Performance artist. That is very funny. Performance artist. There you go, right there. I, I, I just, we have got to get some control over this uh, this whole uh, country again, because once again, we we talked about it this morning. Uh, I, you really think America sucks? Have you ever looked at world history? Have you looked at the current world situation? If America sucks, what about everywhere else? I mean, maybe Portugal might be a little more even keel, but that's New Zealand, about it. I think, from what I can tell, is a pretty good place to live. Mm, it's a long yeah. way away, though. It is a long way away. But I just, how can you keep saying we let anybody in here that wants to come in? I know. I don't understand that. You are not going to starve to death in America, nope. which you are in most countries in the world, by the way. There are all these things about America that we, and by we, I just mean because I'm an American, um, these people need to shut up. They really do. Just shut up, back off. This whole woke thing has got to go away. Yeah, I think it is starting to. Disgusting. Um, you know, what, what for me tells me the tide might be turning a little bit is that Dave Chappelle didn't get canceled. He pretty much said, F you, That's if you don't like it, only because he was black, though, and you know that. Uh, I don't know. But nah, don't they're know. afraid of him is what that is all about. He terrified them. I guess I hadn't thought about that. It's possible. Oh, yeah. These people are cowards. Absolutely. And by the way, I think Dave Chappelle is brilliant. I think he's hilarious. Oh, he's great. I still think the uh, blind white supremacist is the funniest thing I've ever seen, which well, he wrote, co-wrote with a white guy. It's one the of the things you and I, n- neither of us are easily offended. So No, that's true. That's a very good point. All right, we'll take a break, and we'll be back with Hour 2, which is Car Selling selling Secrets. we got to look up the episode and dust off the episode book. Oh, yeah. uh, It's been a while. How far back can I look? I think it's 114, maybe, but I'm not sure. It's something. We'll be back in a, a few minutes.